Love this podcast? Support this show through the ACAST supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Okay, so college admission scandal. Really what, what I want to do, Helen, is uh, do a really quick rundown for those people. Yeah, you go ahead. I'm not as well informed about it. So basically in 2019, a scandal arose over a criminal conspiracy that is like um, sort of an underground, not underground, like a couple of people to try and influence undergraduate admissions decisions at like America's top universities, you know, Yale, Princeton, Stanford, USC. Um, The investigation into the conspiracy was codenamed Operation Varsity Blues. And um, basically they were trying to catch this guy, the ringleader, so to speak, of this whole um, fiasco was this guy called Mm -hmm. Rick Singer. He was a guy who was at the center of this conspiracy. So basically he did two things. This guy, Rick Singer, um, I'm guessing he's Jewish because of his surname, but average straight white guy, right? He basically um, started off as a football coach, sorry, a basketball coach. Basketball coach, yeah. He got fired, I think, at one stage. And so he decided to become a sort of college educational counselor yeah, like, or something like that advisor yeah and remember yeah. like getting into a good college in america for a lot of people is like the be all or end all you know it's really the status marker that they're most concerned with and um so this guy um would basically take a lot of money from like really wealthy people and mm-hmm. like, super lu- ludicrously wealthy people they tended to be like actors or businessmen like or people in politics mm-hmm. like really really very wealthy people and he, he did two things he um made up fake profiles for students for these kids so that they could get into like sports they could they could get scholarships to into like sort of more smaller sports like sailing or rowing or like lacrosse um because (laughs) he knew that the coaches of these sports number one the sports were not as like well known and so therefore less competitive and like Mm -hmm. fly under the radar so these coaches on these sports in these really prestigious private um, uh, colleges they were always looking for like donations right because they're not as big as basketball or um you know they're not as popular yeah yeah so um he targeted these um coaches and said uh, i'll bribe you this money if you let this person he didn't say bribe oh he didn't obviously yeah Yeah. um and um what he would do was like cut out um these kids photos and then like superimpose them onto yeah um, photoshop like, yeah photoshop them into like like water water polo um <laughs> kind of pictures and so he basically made up fake profiles so that the kids can look mm-hmm. really great and then be led into these colleges the other thing he did was like hire a, a guy to take the SATs the SATs are like you need to score like something like 32 33 out of 35 in order to get like even seen you know, it's like a standardized test, basically. Yeah, yeah. And uh, what happened in 2019 was that a total of 33 parents were charged. It, um, they were basically all rich business people. Um, they were charged with mail fraud, um, mail laundering, conspiracy um, to commit mail fraud. And people like um, Felicity Huffman and um, Laurie Lolan, um, actresses who are mm-hmm. quite big in America, they were found to also be um, complicit in this conduct with their kids, which is just like really funny. Um, but 
yeah, I mean, I have obviously so much to say about this. Um, <laughs> I, I found a lot documentary just really, really, besides all the things that you and I are about to launch into, I just found it also mm-hmm. a very, very well-constructed documentary. What did you think? Yeah. I thought it was a really interesting documentary to watch. Um, I've heard about this college admission scandal when you first came out. Yeah. Was it at the end of 2019? But I didn't really pay much attention. I only knew that Felicity Huffman from what? Was she on Desperate Housewife or some kind of? Yeah, some kind of like, yeah, Desperate Housewife. Housewife. Anyway, but that's about it. I didn't know, I didn't know much about it until I watched that. Oh, it's actually, it wasn't through the parents directly themselves bribing the university. They had like a ring master, yeah, um, the con man, Rick Sina, yeah, did all the work for them. And yeah, I think that by the end of the documentary, Rick Sina is still waiting for sentencing, wasn't it? Yeah. So whereas the other the yeah. other parents, you say they were charged. And he said that he, in the documentary, he indicated at the time he had 700 over 700 families he was working with so you can imagine that when he collects you know at the very low end what 110,000k from the family yeah and up on the high end what half a million dollars millions Millions. yeah this is ludicrous so anyone who hasn't seen this documentary you really must see this documentary because it's such a indication of what wealth can do basically if you have money you can do anything you know um that's the message that i received from watching this movie from the stocker Mm -hmm. um but uh yeah uh, what was so ludicrous was that the parents paid millions of dollars in so-called donations into like rick singer he made up this like charity fund i don't remember Mm -hmm. what it was called but Uh, the key key foundation yeah yeah he made up this fake foundation and supposedly like made it look like he you know he was trying to help underprivileged kids all the while he was just taking in all the money for himself um Mm -hmm. and what was so astonishing to me was that um the amount of money that these parents had invested so that they could get their kids into these massive colleges and like it just um, year by year I'm beginning to it's like it related to the attention thing that we were talking about before like attention Mm -hmm. for me is an indication of the greatest indication of love and the more I learn about these colleges the less I want to actually like I used to um I got into Columbia last year you know and I was waitlisted for NYU and like a few for a few years I really thought that I had to be in America and be in one of these Ivy League colleges in order to Mm -hmm. feel like I am a genius I I really Mm -hmm. thought that if I wasn't at these colleges I was not smart you know and like Mm -hmm. The more I think about it, the more I realize that these colleges are just all full of fucking really wealthy people, you know? Like I didn't go to Columbia. I couldn't take the position because I didn't have fucking $200,000 in my my bank to spare Mm -hmm. on my education, Mm -hmm. you know? Yeah, and these parents are paying, apart from the tuitions, they will be paying for the next three or four years for their kids. They made the donation before their kids enter the college so they have that kind of amount it's just astonishing and also what i found was really funny is that those people with high iq like for example the rich people there must be a way for them to make money regardless of how they make it okay so they can reach that kind of point that they can afford to have that kind of so much disposable income for their kids to do to just get into the college but they really have low eqs as in like either easily fall into this kind of traps to be con like and due to the, I think it's due to the desperate desires to 
uphold their social visibilities yeah, i'm thinking absolutely. like yeah. the norm i'm guessing that within their social circles that the normality to fit into the group is that they have so to have the power yeah they have to have the power so they have it with the money of course but they want to have um essentially kids are they products of their own like an yeah. extension of themselves so they need to look good as well yeah. so whereas this opportunity comes as in oh i know my kids are not doing well academically or in the sports too well enough to get into those colleges there comes rick sina he yeah. said that he has got um side doors he called it the skins the side doors where they can get into get these kids into the colleges yeah. by making a donation to the colleges um i found it really funny when they used when they were talking about how they described these colleges as prestige and yeah. there's an explanation saying that prestige is the word from french that is actually means deceit you know yeah. it's it's an illusion yeah so it's not real it's something that people make up it's like a brand that people make up that it's not real and people fall for it yeah like people fall for it because everyone's saying that oh it's a good school mm. but no one really go in and um, research why is it a good school um i think a lot of asian parents fall into that trap as well oh, saying okay. that oh i've heard my neighbor saying that it's a good school or i've heard someone someone saying that it's a good campus i have to go and move into that suburb to get my kids into it without even looking of the yes. history of the school yeah. like without even looking into the scandals happen in the school i literally have a lot of stories that i've heard from asian parents trying to this is very relatable to like private school systems in australia as well because they charge stupid amount of money and they cover every scandalous shit they still have parents who are willing to pay that those money because those parents have heard from somewhere saying that oh this is a good school you know they've got resources they've got top teachers mm. and that's it they don't research anything yeah, yeah. at the end of the day it's all about um how it appears you know it's all yeah it's all about status yeah, I found it really interesting precisely what you're saying, uh, the, how clever Rick Singer was in kind of playing on yeah, 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 I know. Yeah. because they are, parents are at their most tender and vulnerable when um, when their children try and like after school, what are they going to do, you know, like, and, and mm. I find that the most insecure parents are the ones that are most invested in what their kids do, you know, and the social mm. status that they had themselves have. Like um, a couple of journalists in the documentary um, say actually often with these attempts to get into colleges, it's the parents. It's really the parents mm -hmm. who are trying to, you know, get into the colleges. It's really nothing about the children. And what really tore, what really disgusted me, and I know that's such a strong word, was that a lot of these rich parents, when they were working with Rick, um, they actually deliberately tried to, cover up what they were doing from their own child. On a kid. Yeah. yeah on their own kids. Do the it's fuck like, oh, their own child. Yeah. I just cannot yeah, don't, don't tell them. Yeah, it's disgusting. Yeah. It is so like it, it's just absolutely well, shocking that um a parent would go to the length of lying, paying millions of dollars and then deceiving their own child so that their well, child that's because, they, uh -huh, that's because they they put themselves they put themselves and their own status mm. in their social group above their own kids' yeah, exactly. well-being. Yeah. They don't care. Yeah. Like, I just want people to know that you're going to NYU or yeah. the Ivy Leagues exactly. and then I can go on and tell yeah. the people around my social circle and that's it. They don't really care. Yeah. Um, 
it also creates like a circumstances of that the pressure of getting into the college um i think it was only like the last few years i'm seeing um video clips that it's been viral around social media i don't even know why kids does that anymore like the opening of the email whether or not they're being accepted you know at the very beginning of the document yeah. i was just thinking gosh how how would you want why would you want to record that kind of very raw emotion yeah as in like the moment as in i think one of the journalists mentioned that the problem with social media that people start comparing each other yeah exactly like geez, there's no enough things to compare now you have to compare that the expose the moment when you accepted or not been accepted yeah. by the colleagues well you know why yeah. they, they record themselves doing that because it um um the internet now has capitalized the human self and the raw mm-hmm. emotion you know yeah 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 play on play on the, the the human emotion itself is the last um sort of um cult, what's that word um commodity you know it's the last commodity mm-hmm. that um the internet has been able to capitalize on um but i have to admit this is really embarrassing but when i got news that i got into columbia i i got an e- i didn't get that status check i actually got an email from the head of the program that i got into and she said congratulations and i actually cried like i didn't go ape shit and i didn't like you know those reactions from kids are like ah! like they go hundred people uh-huh. around them um i was by myself and i just kind of started sobbing because it was more the like i really was so relieved that i finally got in because i had spent maybe three years applying to these schools and um mm. it was like finally i'm accepted like i finally i feel like i am worthy of the straight american white gays because all these people who work in yale um, stanford columbia nyu um all these institutions are mostly like 99 controlled by straight white people you know mm-hmm. um mm-hmm. and so like it was i found like looking back i'm quite ashamed that i had such an emotional response to my yeah, but i think white people Mm-hmm. Yeah, but um, I also wanted to make mention of the l- ludicrousy of how like a lot of the people who were sort of covering these scandals during the last few years, who were on the um, who were interviewed on the documentary, like Naomi Fry from the New Yorker and a lot of reporters from the New York Times, they themselves mm-hmm. um, went to these prestigious private, uh, sorry, prestigious colleges, and so it's yeah. like rich white people criticizing rich white people. It's just so. <laughs> so insular and circulatory you know like you know Americans looking at each other like it's so incestuous and I found that kind of funny as well because like (laughs) um, I a few years ago I really wanted to I thought like if I had one piece um if I had Mm -hmm. one byline in the New Yorker I would have made it you know I'm using quotation marks made it or like if I had an op-ed in the New York Times I would have made it and if some Mm -hmm. several times I had been close to I'd worked with a couple of editors but in the end I would often be rejected and it was like so shattering because I really saw the New York Times as like the really the the high benchmark that journalists are supposed to try and pursue you know but um mm-hmm. but all these people like I, I I follow the New York Times and New Yorker journalists masthead crazily and all of them yeah. without doubt went to um, Princeton Stanford um, NYU Columbia Harvard like now it's come to the point where like I'm I've done a 360 and so when I pick up a book and at the back it says that this person went to Harvard I just put the book down I'm just not interested you know I'm not interested in what someone who has had the most egregiously elite 
and wealthy education has to say about the world. Mm-hmm. Because they often are the ones who's in power. So they, their perspective has always been quite similar in the past decades when they're holding the power. They would not understand from different perspectives if they're not happen to be living in, I don't know, in a different circumstances, if they're not intersectional enough, if they're not speaking from experience of yeah, marginalised people. You know, they're speaking from like a very privileged and entitled circumstances. Mm. Yeah. I think the only person I pay attention to who, like, I absolutely adore, he's my favourite writer, he actually went to Yale, is um, Wesley Morris. Uh, he's gay mm. and black. Um, so I give him, like... I, I try and forget the fact that like, I think he went on scholarship, which like mm, I, I don't okay. know. I guess that oh, affirmative action. Um, I'm no, I don't know. I don't know. Um, he doesn't need that though because he's like a fucking. Yeah. But like you said, it's very similar here in Australia, where like a lot of private schools here in in Sydney, at least, um, you put your kid on a waiting list. Um, you pay five thousand dollars the day after he's born. Yeah, to get, yeah. to get a spot when he's in kindergarten. And to a lot of people in Sydney, like if you live in Vaucluse, five grand is nothing. And $5,000 doesn't guarantee a spot. Oh, no, it doesn't. It's a wait list. Yeah. yeah. Exactly, yeah. Um, I found one of my, one of the most funniest parts of the documentary was when they were talking about Olivia Jade. Okay, yeah. Daughter, I, I actually have no idea who she was. Um, I had to Google her. <laughs> but she's a, on Wikipedia, she's known as a American YouTuber. Uh, mm-hmm. She's the daughter of actress Laurie Lowen and fashion designer Mossimo Giannulli. And, uh-huh. uh, yeah, so she um, was also, like, her mum did stuff with... Um, mm-hmm. Engage uh, with Rick yeah, yeah, and so to get them, to get her and her sister into USC, um, which is, like, a massively famous, prestigious school in, I think, the West Coast of the mm-hmm. And um, yeah, it's it's so funny um, seeing someone like her, like because like um, they also critique how she she basically makes videos of her life, and they look like mm-hmm. little, she looks like a complete idiot. Um, but because she's like so beautiful, she can get away with it. Yeah, like um, she says in her videos, "I hate school, I hate school," and then like she gets like Rick Singer makes a profile of her like and pretends that she's a rower. I was actually looking at her like um, Instagram feed this um, wall this morning and like looking up her who she dates. Like her boyfriend is this guy called Jackson Guthrie. He's a apparently an American singer songwriter, and like he looks like one of those college frat bo- bros who ends up like killing his wife and kids or something. <laughs> Just, yeah, he looks he has a very evil face. Anyway, he's got a beard, so that says it all. You know, mm-hmm. I, I, I have this um, theory that's actually just on the back of my best friend's theory um, that people are uh, guys who have beards, straight guys who have beards are just like really, really masculinity, masculinely uh, fragile. You know, like a beard is like the most the most like public signal signifier of I'm really fragile about my masculinity. So I have to grow yeah. a beard. Yeah, I have to pretend I'm manly. That's yeah, exactly. Why. Yeah. I have to- appearance to show it yeah Uh, my favorite boys the men in my life who I love the most and who are the least kind of toxic are men who actually don't have beards or who constantly like are very aware of shaving it off (laughs) they're not not fragile about being you know they're not invested Mm. in masculinity they're not invested 
it's it's those men who are most invested in their gender who are often the ones wearing like this massive beard so like, and I just want to add I'm always interested like uh, the reason why I was perving on her boyfriend was I'm always interested in people's partners because it's like, it's sort of like seeing where they went to college um it's like such a marker for what kind of person they are you know yeah yeah as in what kind of social circle they're hanging around with really defines of what their personality yeah or their value, what you value the yeah yeah what you value yeah what i was going to say is that i want to talk about the culture of education by competition and you know that but most competitions in the society doesn't work in work out through fairness yeah. um speaking of how asian parents want their kids to get into prestigious colleges as well um mm-hmm. it happens a lot in taiwan as well i don't know about recent years but as um, at least when we were growing up, <clears throat> I think getting into a college university was still a very central goal for most of the students, like high school students, mm. and for a lot of parents as well. You see the amount of cram schools in Taiwan yeah. that they just drew their kids into studying and remembering shit. I don't think it's very practical at this moment now because a lot of educational curriculums yeah they teach you to pick up the knowledge and I also have like this thing about the myth of higher education I don't I don't feel like they're really teaching critical thinking oh yeah like 20 years ago maybe now they're 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 more inclined to teach more critical thinkings in schools I just feel like in the past years that um, not enough critical thinking a lot of teaching are very prescriptive and just making the citizens to work more obediently yeah. into the society like they, you don't question stuff yeah that's what's what essentially the higher power wants their people wants the yeah. people to do like you don't question stuff and then you just work for us yeah precisely precisely that's what these institutions yeah. are really based on right if you look at the history of yeah. them What's really ludicrous mm-hmm. also is like I remember listening to a podcast years ago about Princeton and like um, uh, the podcast was saying how Princeton and a lot of these elite institutions in America, they have their GDP is like way higher than a lot of small countries in the world. Mm. Yeah, like, the money there. It's absolutely. Yeah, what I found really interesting is that in this case that with Rick Sina, the Veracity Blue operation, that the colleges are not penalised. Like yeah. at the end of the documentary that Stanford kept what seven hundred and seventy thousand yeah. donations. Well, yeah, right, right. I think it's a bullshit that not, yeah. no one yeah. else except apart from that coach knows what's happened. I'm yeah. sure that the people knows what happened, but they're not saying anything. Yeah, well, because it's like such an unregulated space, you know, the space of college admissions advisory. It's it's completely mm. unregulated by the government. There's no like sort of um, corporate governance or body of governance that regulates or mm-hmm. legislation around these kind of formats. Um, it's really like the more money you have, the more mon- likelihood you're able to get in, like just like, you know, er- any other kind of admission into any kind of institution of power. If you have any, you have influence, you have access to people mm-hmm. and spaces, you know. Yeah, that, uh, that control society. Mm-hmm. I think that's why I'm I'm, I'm just going to go back and say that because Griselda Pollock mentioned that it is all a delusion. You know, you're trying to achieve something, but the world operates in a very imbalanced way. Mm. It's just if you like really shattered. Um, I actually quite like one of the um, journalists at the end of the documentary. He said he, he was asking like why parents choose to cheat when their children already had so much 
you know, yeah. power, money. They don't need to go to colleges. Like I was talking to my husband, like, oh, fucking hell, half a million dollars. They can just buy any properties in Australia. Yeah. Well, maybe not any properties in Australia, at least a property in Australia. And they, the amount of wealth they really don't need, like a marker of college, you know, they can survive or they can live through their life perfectly. The journalist I'm going to quote here, he said that when you reach a certain level of wealth, there's a relentless pursuit of trapping of power, like material and status value. Um, value higher than anything else yeah it's like really creating like the atmosphere within this own social group that I have something more than you yeah. above more than the car the house the money I have Why? I have my child who goes into USC who yeah. I you know use money to buy it yeah but they don't care they just yeah. don't care yeah I just often think that um it must be really really and I almost say this non-ironically it must be really really hard to be rich you know the pressures <laughs> the pressure I'm yeah. sort of half saying it ironically but also half not like the pressures involved in keeping up face keeping up with the Joneses like yeah it's horrifying that's why like I'm yeah. so disinterested in being rich like you know you and I we're well off enough and that is all I ever want we're content yeah I think it is never the, when you reached um, a certain like what the generalist said that you reach a certain level of wealth yeah. um, you're trapped yeah like you're constantly being compared or by other people or yourself comparing other people and you just probably feel inadequate all the time like what we read earlier last year what um what was that novel flashman in trouble oh one of my favorite books in the world I'm getting yeah, the, the, the setting of that novel pretty much lay out the foundation yeah. of how people in the very upper class of socioeconomics uh, in US or maybe anywhere else, that they feel like they're inadequate no matter how much money, yeah. wealth they earn. They just want to continue to get more and more and more. Yeah, yeah. and at the root of it, it's almost like um, at the root of it really is um, caring what other people think, isn't it? Mm, yeah you don't care about what other people think you wouldn't pay so much money to get someone to cheat your way into getting your kids into expensive colleges you know Mm -hmm, like mm -hmm. uh, I just uh, maybe it's a condition of being rich that you have to care about what other people think which I think is like the worst way to live in the world if you care about what other Mm -hmm. people yeah never ever live an authentic genuinely happy fulfilling life I think that's why I don't give a shit what other people think like obviously I care about what like people closest to me care about but outside of that I couldn't give a shit like when I had like a people come at me last year when I wrote a harsh review of a book um a lot of people were reaching out saying I hope you're okay I hope you're okay and I'm like I don't care at all like I've never cared about what strangers thought about me and like people say that's like me having a thick skin but it's actually like a very I don't see it as me having a thick skin it's just me not caring what other people think mm-hmm. I really mm-hmm. think mm-hmm. like it's such a like you said it's a trap to want to to want to meet the standards of other people's um is such a trap and I have never um, fallen for that trap and I feel really liberated by that and I think I have my father to thank for that because my father has always been someone who was like just do your fucking own thing just do your thing (laughs) you know 
Yeah, I think because the society has created by a lot of judgments and labels that makes people very insecure and vulnerable. Exactly. And people often fall into that trap, whether or not you're rich or not rich, because you're not, se- you're not secured, in, you're not secure enough and contained enough of yourself. Mm. And I think it's also a very, it's also a strategy by the higher power. Yeah, exactly. Because yeah. they just they, feel like, yeah, as long as you don't feel adequate all the time, you're easier to control and manipulate. And I have to say, um, that is literally how the patriarchy has worked on women. Yes, women, that's very true. Yeah, yes. From a very young age, we're taught to hate ourselves. We're taught to like mm-hmm. um, always find faults within our own personalities so that we're constantly trying to meet other people's needs. We're constantly mm-hmm. trying to make people like us. There is nothing less interesting in the world than trying to be liked. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So you lose the actual value or the essence of yourself that you never really see your self-worth or your self-value yeah, yeah. by yourself rather than it's always seen through the lens of other people, Yeah, which is really sad. Yeah, yeah and it's also just super exhausting, right? Yeah, it's so that's exhausting. true. Very exhausting. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> It's, it's really, like it's, it's not a choice like I didn't wake up one day and say I'm not going to care about what other people think about me because I think that's hard to do um it's just like realizing that um I don't know I've I've always had this belief that um it's not a belief it's just this very deep what's the word like I I really could care less about what others think of me and it mm-hmm. feels really really good because I don't have to constantly be anxious about oh am I doing something right am I doing something wrong you know mm-hmm. like, that's so I think you're just independent enough not only um I, I guess financially could be one thing but I think emotionally a lot of women out there are not independent enough to just put yourself first and you really yeah. don't have to care about what others think or yeah. compare I think compare comparison is such a big problem within our society mm. um, not just that not just between human and human I think within woman as well mm. like woman we become so divisive at the times that it is another strategy of patriarchy system yeah. you know you divide you get them to be divisive they will be easier like what I said before they will be easier to manipulate and control yeah, exactly exactly yeah yeah and I don't want to live a life where I'm like being controlled by other people mm. you know mm-hmm. what a waste of mm. a life what a fucking yeah. my grandmother didn't like where like she didn't like torture herself for her whole life in like having her foot bound in China so that I could care about what other people think about me. Like, fuck that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's just so insulting. <laughs> if I live a life according to other people's terms, I'll insult her memory. Mm-hmm. Of course she would have, yeah. like, if she had the choice, she would have wanted to live a life where she could just be free, you know? So I, yeah. that's why I just, I'm, I'm the way I am and I don't take it for granted. And I wish that, um, that more people, especially women can see, the um the absolute um obsolescence of wanting to be liked or you know trying to appeal mm-hmm. to other people yeah and 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 really going into getting into these colleges is really ticking their boxes you know an institutional box like a few years ago i remember seeing a video about a media production company who were hire, hired by rich chinese parents to make up fake videos of their kids like going to mongolia and doing humanitarian stuff you know oh, wow. like, 
Yeah, so that their admissions could look really good because it looked like they were doing really cool shit, you know, but it was all uh -huh. fake, you know. So, like, uh -huh. it's just, like, um, trying to play to the terms set by um, Harvard. You know, Harvard wants you to not just be um, academically brilliant. You also have to be someone who has volunteered with Peace Corps or, like, um, did soup kitchen runs since you were, like, 10 and also, like, you're a talented volleyball player as well as being like an extremely great guitarist it's just like this idea of holisticness is really something that they have put onto people you know and mm -hmm. I don't know like it's exhausting to think about but I if I ever became a parent I would just be like I don't know it would just be so interesting I'll, I'd be interested in how I parent I hope I'm not like one of those crazy parents that we see in the documentary <laughs> Like, do you care about where Luke goes to university? No, I don't. I've got confidence in him of his choosing his own path, so I don't really mind where he goes. Like, I kept telling you that we can't afford to take you anywhere. We're poor parents. Yeah. <laughs> when we're, we're nothing like those parents who can pay half a million dollars to just get you into yeah. the college. Wait, did he watch the documentary? <laughs> we can't even pay for your tuition. Did he, pay, did he look at the documentary as well? Oh, he didn't look at the documentary, but he briefly know what happened. Yeah, he knows yeah. what happened. So yeah, he's like, oh, yeah, those are really crazy people, yeah. <laughs> crazy white people. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. <laughs> All right. Well, I think we've yeah. exhausted um, this topic for today. Let's, um, let's wrap it up. Okay. Well, thanks to our listeners. So that's the end of our episode. Remember to subscribe to our podcast on Spotify, Google and Apple. We're now on Acast. Um, give us a five-star rating if you enjoyed our show and share with your friends. Um, we're on a car support at the moment, so if you like, please support our show by donation. Buy us a coffee or a chai latte. You can uh, find our updates on Facebook and Instagram. Uh, just search Asian Bitches Down Under. Send us a DM or a feedback to extend any of the um, discussions or topics that we talked today on our show. And So we'll chat to you next time. See you guys. See ya, bye.